Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. And welcome back to the nightcap. It is the 29th day of July in the year 2021. The second day of free agency in the NHL. So much has changed. So many names in different places that we never expected. But a name that we do expect with this program. A name that is kind of all over the place. Because his analysis uh, is not just exclusive to us here on the nightcap. Mike McKenna joining me, Lindsey Brown, to uh, break everything down. Because... Mike, I I don't think we've ever experienced a upheaval to this degree. Do you? Well, not from a goalie perspective, Certainly and that's what not. we always look first. But when you go further down the list, what a strange world! You know, I it's it's pretty easy to say that considering everything we've gone through with a pandemic that we're still in, and salary cap being flat, and looking at every team trying to improve and so many different dynamics at play this year, you know, like we've been so used to the salary cap just going up and up and teams being able to do what they need to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now you've got teams shedding players that are just big time performers in the national hockey league, even with big salaries and they've got to pay for them to go to go away. Like it's unbelievable to see how the dynamics changed and like just how important it is to have somebody on your staff that can manipulate constant, you know, contracts and salary structures uh, just to get under the cap. This has been wild stuff. Right. And, and what's we can go in so many different directions to start this off, but why don't we go with a, a GM that really is wheeling and dealing his way and has been since he took over um, hit the position from, from Steve Eiserman. But Julian Brisbois is a guy that you've talked to me at length about um, mm-hmm. just of your, your impress uh, impression with him uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning, where as we were recording this, the news within the hour came down that Corey Perry is signing with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He hopes to go to his third straight Stanley Cup final. Hopefully he just walks out a a winner this time, but two years at $1 million. And that's probably not even the smartest move that that Brisbois made this week, McKenna. Well, the worm gets another life again. And you know why, though? It's because Corey Perry keeps performing. 100%. He's in. He's impossible in front of the net. He is such a burr under your saddle for a defenseman, for a goaltender. 
I couldn't stand playing against him, but I loved playing against him because it always got my competitive juices up when it would happen, and we'd hack and whack each other at the top of the crease. He'd threaten to kill me. <laughs> I'd tell him about how nice workers' comp laws are in California and that I was a call-up <laughs> goaltender, and you know, at some point in life I could use a cash-in moment because I hadn't had it. And you know, I, I, Deep inside me, I hope that got him to laugh somehow. But in any case, like, yeah, he's won one Stanley Cup. He's but gone to the super final young when years. he did, right? Because yeah, did he know, step into I, the NHL right away when he because he was drafted in 03. Mm-hmm. Did he, did he so spend he, a few years in the A? He played he, he played a full year, uh, I believe five six. I want to say it was his first year. I'm saying this off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but it was in Portland, Maine, uh, and I was there a year or two after with the Ducks organization, and him and Getzloff had come in together at that point. Uh, and early in their career, I think they both spent one year in the A tops or a year and a half, and then they went to the national, win a cup. But Perry just keeps he just keeps going. And you know, I look at this deal in Tampa as being such smart biz from Julian Breezebaugh because you get two years locked up with Perry. That's probably the deal breaker. You'd have to think. I doubt there's many teams that want to do more than just a standard one year. But Tampa is such a good team. I mean, obviously they won two straight cups, but they know that two years of Perry at a million bucks. Why wouldn't you do that? You know the bargain of bins. Yeah, and he's going to fit seamlessly, and I I just think that's a great deal. If you can't beat him, join him. Mm. You know, he loses to him with Montreal, and and ends up going there. And Julian Breezeblood just keeps making moves to to get it to work. You lose Yanni Gord, that hurts. He was the engine for that team. Mm -hmm. He'll play an expanded role with the Kraken as opposed to with Tampa Bay. Tyler Johnson. I'm sure they didn't want to see him go as a person and as a player and what he brought, but I do think his salary cap was – his hit was beyond what he was playing to with Tampa Bay. Right. Now, with another team, he can probably live up to that five-point-whatever deal. I think no problem. But in Tampa, it was beyond what his usage was. Breezeball moves him out. Uh, you let Savard go on D. Like, it just – Moves that made sense. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay contends again next season for another Stanley Cup. It wouldn't either because if we're going to start comparing, you know, teams that have been able to string success together in short bursts, the the two most recent teams we can we can compare them to are, are the Penguins and the Blackhawks. And we know with the with the Blackhawks, it would they would win and then they would have to tear it down pretty much instantly. Where you're selling off Dustin Bufflin to for basically mm-hmm. nothing to the the then Atlanta Thrashers and stuff. And then they would somehow, you know, kind of accumulate enough, make a couple of trade deadline uh, moves, and that would be enough to, to fortify. But they are also uh, the team that called, you know, Marion Hosa and said, hey, what Corey Perry's doing right now, you just lost two straight uh, Stanley Cups on, on the playing for the opposite teams. Do you want to come here and, and see if you can get it done? And it was like an insane deal. But it, you had Sharpie there. And then with Pittsburgh, you know, it, they had – it was really the the addition of Jake Gensel that really made that team dangerous because they were such uh-huh. a solid core for so long, but they kept running up in the, in the playoffs. You know, they lose to the Rangers and stuff like that. But once they get that squirrely little talent, that was that was what uh, really separated them, or at least broke the dam in my well, mind. It, it well, it did for Pittsburgh so much because having a cap tied up with some big name players, Crosby, Malkin, Kessel's there. Like you've got a lot of money in small areas, you have to develop from within. And right. that's why Gensel was such a revelation to the team. That was early in his career where he did it at the American League, went on a tear, probably potted five or six on me that season, I'm willing to guess, and goes up to the NHL and he just kept doing it. So you and inspired all the all the, the game-winning goals. You can take yeah. credit, Mike, obviously. You know, well, I, I, I 
I gave him the knowledge of how to score on goaltenders at lesser leagues. So I'll take the, that minuscule credit for it. But I think that the biggest thing was it just shows, man, you've got to backfill with young talent and even Tampa Bay. Look at who they've brought along through their system to make it work for them. You can go up and down their roster of how many players played for the Syracuse Crunch before they went to Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Whether it was five games, whether it was 50 games, whether it was 150 games, that roster is littered with them. And that is the way to success in the NHL under the salary cap today. You've got to grow from within. And then you have to make sh- smart, shrewd moves on top of that. And Breezeball has done that. Look at the deal for point. It's a great deal. Yeah. I mean, nine I mean, and a half million it's bucks. It's a ton of money. of money. It's a ton, but he deserves it. Exactly. He's, he's get that. Exactly. And you're right, Mike, because that's that's where the, the cost of developing talent from within, that's where it can be reallocated. Because you have to think about how many people who can't develop their own goalies through their own pipeline that have to go fishing in free agency and end up paying a, a premium price, whether that's term, whether that's a, a cap hit or whatever. Yes. And so it, it's just there are different ways. Ways to to make a team work and move and succeed, but it seems yep. like Tampa Bay has just found a way to maximize every positional group and just like you said, hit on every single one of their picks and and develop the the farm system that produces these players that are ready to go, ready to plug in, and are bought into the culture there. And yep. so uh, Patrick Maroon brings that when he when he joins that team. I mean, and. Perry's addition will help, I think, foster uh, at least some moving on from uh, a team that's experienced a, a lot of pieces being moved away. Tyler Johnson was there for 10 years. You know, that's, yeah, a, long that's time. a lot. Well, look at it this way, too. Like, you've got Point, you've got Kucherov, who both played in Syracuse, mm-hmm. and they've got their big ticket deals now. The difference is that you're getting these players in their prime, and you don't have to grab them from from UFA, from free agency. You're getting them at younger years. You're getting them right in the heart of their career where they're going to be their best player. Whereas sometimes you have to go on the open market if you're looking to pick up a UFA and, you know, 28 years old by that point. You don't really know what you're getting on the back end side of that. And that's a huge advantage. That's the reason why it has to come from within if you possibly can do it. Right. The number of, I mean, Headman, you know, it, they're just it's on down the list with that team. Uh, they've done it all from within. Yeah, it's 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 very impressive to see what they've accomplished, especially with the handoff between Iserman and Brisbois. But we've had enough chatter about Tampa Bay, or at least where we're starting from there, because we're just kind of bumping around and seeing what our brain spits out. Because you and I just kind of uh, shoot the shit when we're talking hockey. And and while I really like what the Lightning have done, I'm I'm looking at a, a Scott Burnside article um, featured on the Athletic that was published this morning, where we're talking about ranking the winners and losers. And it seems that you um, offered some of your knowledge to uh, bolster said article. And so a team that I really like in terms of what, they, what they've what they been able to do and the surprise that they brought, the Seattle Kraken, Mike. Crew mm-hmm. Bauer to the Kraken. How, how, yeah. how, how? Well, simple as this. I For whatever reason, Colorado let him walk. And I don't know if this was a salary cap thing as much as it was just a, a term thing mm-hmm. or a belief thing. I don't know if Colorado really thought that Philip Grubauer was going to bring more to the table than somebody they could get from unrestricted free agency or via a trade mm-hmm. or whatever might happen. Well, their you know, D are so good, too, and that's the problem where it's like, well, he's a Vesna finalist and he's a very talented goaltender and he's definitely paid the dues, but they've also invested a, a, a ton of money in their def- in their defensemen. And, you know, if they keep the puck out of their net, out of their zone a lot, it's just you don't use your goalie as often. No, I mean, they're a good team, but, mm-hmm. you know, Grubauer's numbers hold up. His yeah. regular numbers, his advanced metrics hold up. 
Um, to me, Grubauer is a really good goaltender on the rush, and mm-hmm. that's what you need on Colorado because uh, they don't give up a ton of opportunities, but then they do a lot of times. They can be that type that comes right back at you, two-on-ones, breakaway, three-on-one. And that's where the Grubauer's skating ability as reads his patience really paid off for him. And that's I'm not 100% sure where Darcy Kepper's going to fit that mix. Well, he has to be healthy he first and foremost. They already have yeah. issues with that in, in the position. So it's kind of a, a nervous place for them to be, even though that he is the biggest get for them at, once they were able to trade for him yesterday. Right. So so listen, Darcy Kemper, he's an outstanding goaltender. Mm-hmm. And I think at the absolute peak of his game, he's better than Philip Grubauer. That's my belief. At the absolute peak. Seconded. But last season, Kemper had a tough go. He had some injuries. The team didn't perform all that well. He didn't really kick it in. So you're looking for him to even bounce back a little bit, and he needs to be healthy. Same thing with Grubauer, though. There's mm-hmm. always been that lingering injury concern. It's real. He has missed time. But to me, I, I can see, you just look how consistent he's been, man. His his numbers just don't lie. You don't go come across from Europe to play in the Ontario League, the American Hockey League, and the NHL, and consistently put up nine fifteens and nine twenties everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen. I, you look at his track record: good teams, bad teams, great teams, mediocre teams. The guy's got it done. I think this deal for Seattle solidifies everything they needed in goal. There's no way they were going to run with Dreger, Vanacek, and Doc Court in my eyes and really think they were going to contend. And I don't mean that as a slag on those three goaltenders. I mean it as a point where when the players come in for the Kraken and they look at those three goalies in the room and they go, we're going to win a Stanley Cup with these guys, yeah. there's question marks. There's not, a, again, there's not enough not, experience in this entire room to, to uh, complete right. an NHL season between those and three. And that, that's not reality. It's question mm-hmm. marks. You bring in Philip Grubauer, you have somebody who's played a lot of games, he's, he's succeeded, he's a clear number one, uh, the feather in the cap of the Vezina finalists, that's fantastic. I mean, I thought UC Soros deserved to be in there last year, maybe more than Grubauer, but I love his game. And, and I think that for the Seattle Kraken, he just, he brings some, he brings an air confidence, he brings validity to the organization, and having somebody who's truly been a number one and, and has had success. He won a Stanley Cup in Washington. Yep. He played the first two games of those playoffs. He he's a Stanley Cup winner. Period. Yep. Uh, I don't care if you're on the bench or not as a goalie. There's some there's intangibles that come with that. Well, and and sometimes it's not about what's best for for Dreiger or best for Grubauer. It's what's best for both of them because both of those guys have had to take a step back or, or be a backup or not be the the anointed one. So that give and take, the hot and cold as, as you know, the, they settle in and just from an NHL season standpoint, it, it's such a grind. We know this. The it, it's it's crazy how up and down it must be and so those breaks are so necessary uh i think Jaden schwartz got a little bit of a break with that five and a half million dollar uh uh tag for for that uh deal he signed with seattle how do you feel about his addition to that lineup well i i love Jaden schwartz we were teammates in peoria years ago in his first year pro and uh watching him to go on to a really good career at the st louis blues win a stanley cup there be an integral part of that team um i i mean i I love Jaden Schwartz. I'd want him on my team any day. I, I was surprised a little bit just in terms of, I mean, really length of contract and dollars. Mm-hmm. They both caught me a little bit off guard. But then again, he had market out there. He had several teams interested in him. He had several suitors. And he's able to drive his price up a little bit. And if Inflation. a team really wants you, mm-hmm. yeah, and if you have a team that really wants you, like Seattle, who has as much cap space as anybody, <laughs> right? You know, sometimes those teams are willing to pay a little bit of a premium to really get the player that they want. And I don't see a problem with that. And I know, 
you know, for Jaden, it's it's always about health with him. He, he's had a tough go the last several years with it. But when he's in the lineup, he makes a difference. He's willing to go to the middle of the ice. He fights for the puck. He's not just a passenger. You notice him most nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, to me, when you're building a franchise and you have a clean slate, you don't want perimeter players. You want to set the tone right away. And I think Schwartz fits that mold right off the bat. Which move is the is the most uh, apparent tone setter for you off the top of your head? What's signing? Oh, boy. It's signing-wise, we can go to – it's tough to make a, a decision on this and where people are going. I mean, the saw, the saw to, deal for me right now at St. Louis is kind of winning today. I think the Hamilton yeah. deal is – is is large and yeah. I mean they they had a need and Dougie and Dougie had the tools of 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 what they were looking for so I don't blame it either way I think it's a great match but I think sod walking totally understand that too but five years at four and a half at St like I think that solves so many problems for them I think they've really yeah. been able to solidify because they probably realized how glaring those holes were after this past season it's almost kind of nice that it was shortened so you don't have to put those guys through nearly a, as big a grind after winning or going through a cup run you know the year before prior yeah it's a big pickup for sure I mean he Saad was so good in playoffs especially with Colorado and had a nice year um, previous to that and, and his return to Chicago obviously St. Louis is going to have a lot of familiarity with him where he's played between Columbus and Chicago and um, I think we forget Lindsay he's 28 years old if right he's 38 at this point he's still got a lot of runway he left played in Columbus him. for a couple years and, he, and he's right. had two stints with the Blackhawks <laughs> but he got yeah. called up young to be one of those cheap deals or, or those those farm team kids for the, those Blackhawk cup runs so it makes sense yep totally so I think Saab's a great deal he, he and the best part about that is that and I love this from a player's perspective he he looked at the deals yesterday and then he went to sleep and he woke up and made a decision. I love that. Yeah. That's so amazing that he have the, right? you've got the power to just go, eh, okay, I like these three. I'm going to go have a glass of wine and go to bed. And then we'll call somebody in the morning. Like, yeah. what a feeling. I took the first contract across the table every year. But uh, he's a great deal. I just, like, Dougie Hamilton was going to get paid wherever mm-hmm. he went. Um, but I kind of look at this in a couple ways with New Jersey. I, I love, first off, they get another great draft pick. I mean, another Hughes, which is oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. But then you know you bring in Dougie Hamilton long term, and I really, really like Ty Smith there. I, I think he's a good prospect. He's young. There's room to grow with him. Uh, I really like the Bernier signing in New Jersey. I didn't like the dollar figure, but Bernier again is another player who I think had a lot of teams coming after him. He had multiple suitors. Um, so four point one two five and change or whatever it is, it's a little rich for what I believe in Bernier. He's been a really consistent 1A, 1B, 2A, whatever you want to label him as. And they need to have somebody to compete with Mac Black because you need to push him, and he's a competitor. It's just as much somebody where you can rely on him, but it's about making sure that you're ensuring that development because they didn't plan to not have Corey Schneider on the roster at this point, so we got to make sure that Mac Black works out. Well, and I think that that Bernier is a—he's the perfect complement to Blackwood in my eyes. You know, it's somebody who's going to push him, but really isn't a threat to him. Exactly. Right? I mean, Bernier's not going to come in there thinking that five years from now he's going to be the guy lifting the cup as the starter of the New Jersey Devils. He's not naive. You know what you're getting into when you sign these contracts. Exactly. Uh, and, and I think it's perfect though. He's going to push Blackwood uh, by all intents and purposes. He's been a good teammate everywhere he's been. Bernier's done a nice job. So I like that signing an awful lot. I think it's setting New Jersey up for a pretty good 
uh, a pretty good, I won't say run, but at least a, a nice base to build upon if they continue to trend the right direction. And I did think that some of the names that were floating around via trades, uh, potentially going to New Jersey. I'd even heard Leonard floated there by Elliot Friedman at one sure. point. That, that was a potential landing option. Right. I didn't like that fit at all. I think they've got to get this right with Mackenzie Blackwood because, again, you need to develop your goalies in-house, especially as young as they are. And I think he's got the keys to the roles if he does mm. this development the right way. And Bernier is a nice compliment to it. I love the Ryan Graves trade, you know, uh, ahead of yep. the, the the protection for, for the too. expansion draft. I think the the naming of Nico Hershey, the captain, is actually a very underrated move and not giving it right away to, to Jack Hughes because of just the pressure that would put on him, especially as an undersized skill forward that just needs to physically develop to have that pressure additionally on him. I think it's just too much. Especially if you're going to be moving out a name that I've heard uh, in those trade talks, maybe not associated with with Leonard, and we're going to switch to to him next. But PK Subban, do you think they have to move him to make this roster work, or do you think uh, they keep him? I don't think they have to move him. I think they'd like to move him. That's true. If they have to keep him around, that's fine. Um, Expiring deal, but it's $9 million. (laughs) Yeah, but at the stage of life where the New Jersey Devils are right now, I think they can suck that up for another year, but you'd like to move out from underneath it if you possibly can. You know, they're not in a mode where they have to clear cap space. Would they like to? Sure. Um, That's true. So I I, I don't think it's as big a deal there. I mean, honestly, I think there's always the hope for a resurgence in P.K. Subban's game. We know what he was able to play at Mm. not that long ago. It just hasn't been there. Yeah. Can he get back to it? Maybe. Will he be a serviceable defenseman in the NHL? That's always kind of the question. You know, some of these guys, I think like a James Wisniewski, where if he wasn't putting up 45 points a year in the league, he was out of the league. Like 20 well, and that comes with a mindset shift too, Mike. It wasn't worth the defensive liability of having him in the lineup. You know? So when you're kind of gifted in one way, you have to perform that way Mm -hmm. or you're not going to stick around. Exactly. And PK is one of those guys who had such high offensive upside, but could get you into trouble. And so if he's able to make that adjustment, great. But if he's not, it's going to be tough and and it's going to be tough for them to move him. But I I agree. Maybe they just keep him on. They don't need to move him. And uh, he's been in there for a couple of years. So studying voices are important. But just to kind of circle back when we were talking about Bernier and and the competitive dynamic between him and and netminder Mackenzie Blackwood, that same... Uh, mindset I think was important for the Golden Knights uh, to to solidify Robin Leonard as the starter to make him feel secure here as this team turns the page because you know we know how how his furnace burns and how he motivates himself but he's also a guy that hasn't really been truly anointed chosen or or truly defaulted to and I think they accomplished that with with the Brassois deal yesterday because he's he's serviceable he's he's been there for he understands the role and like you said he doesn't expect five years from now to be like yep I'm the Golden Knights starter I I think that that's really important for Leonard is am I out of, am I out to to lunch there or is that something that you share as well No I think you're spot on I mean let's we can even just toss aside any Marc-Andre Fleury talk because he's been traded and he's not a member of the Golden Knights any longer. Correct. I know it is the sore spot in the world for everybody in Vegas. I get that. Uh, and frankly, like I feel that too. I felt that before where you feel so ingrained to a city and the fans and, mm-hmm. and you just get cast aside. I get that. But let's just move past that into the current world of the Vegas Golden Knights as you just did. 
I think Brassois was about as good a goaltender, as good a pickup as they could, not just for the fit, but for what he brings. You know, he had a really nice season this year behind Connor Hellebuck. Year before was a little bit of a down year, but I've believed in LB for a long time. I was an American League All Star with him uh, in 2016 or 15 or whenever it was when I saw him really for the first time and thought, "Wow, this kid really has some nice mechanics." I think he's going to be a good fit. He'll he'll play well. He's going to win games. You're going to win games if you're playing for the Golden Knights. Period. Right. Um, but he's a more stylistic think, fit for, for. I mean, closer to Leonard because I, a question that uh, that we that Paul and I talked about on the on the playmakers yesterday, or at least a point, was how a lot of fans or, or people on social media would would question. Well, do they play differently in front uh, in front of one netminder over the other? And the answer is no. But it's also kind of subconsciously yes. And the in the two yeah. minutes that I watched him uh, play on YouTube, just to kind of see what his stance looked like, to see where he seems like a much more calm type net miner where he doesn't over scramble or fish for rebounds and lets the play come to him, which is what Leonard's game is built upon. And he's a big net miner as well. Yeah, they're, they're very similar in that regard. They both like to stay at home in the paint. They both yep. like to make sure that they get their chest there and the game, things are simple. Low hands. Uh, frank, and, and frankly, neither of them are great puck handlers. They're efficient at best, mm-hmm. um, which... It's not a plus. But sometimes that's a good. They can really handle the puck. Yeah. But at least they're on the same page. Correct. You know, I mean, the difference between Flurry and Leonard was pretty stark in terms of handling the puck, if you ask me. 100%. Um, but I think it's actually a good thing that neither – that they both play a similar way. Yeah. Uh, with the puck on their stick. I, I Puck handling is so undervalued and so – Underanalyzed when it comes to goaltenders and just how important it is. Well, they you tried know, to outlaw it, Mike. They gave us the. They gave yeah. you guys the trapezoid. They, they, that's <laughs> they the, the, the desired intended effect. They want to take away all of our good things. I played my whole pro career with that thing, and I couldn't stand it. God. But in any case, I I do think LB like Brassois is. I love really LB. about the perfect fit. And well, you've got LB and LT now. You got LT thirty six mm-hmm. and Logan Thompson, and you got LB up at the big club. And, and by the way, Logan Thompson is a big part of this matrix here. That's why I like this deal is because it gives Logan Thompson a chance to play a full season in the American Hockey League to carry the mail to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And he's got to do it with travel. He's got to do everything. Yeah, a resettling into into normal hockey tempo yes. where you're not just going every other day where you don't get to see anyone. Like, let's see how this guy actually handles the grind and the ask of professional hockey at this level. Yes, because he, without question, he's got a chance. He can play in the NHL. There's things from his game that are going to need to improve. He's going to have to not attack pucks. He's going to have to be a little bit more vertical, a little bit more patient at times. Let the puck hit him as opposed to attacking it. Mm. But his natural skill set is so high. His ceiling is so high. And the team believes in him. You know, he's an ex-branded Wheat King. The team definitely Well, you know he's going to get every damn shot the entire clip has. Laurent, Br- Laurent Brossois, yeah. despite what his name may sound like, played for the Edmonton Oil Kings in the Western Hockey League, too. So I, I think this is a good deal, though, in that way that, you know, for Brossois, maybe he comes in and he plays a third of the games. He's probably going to play a little bit more than he did behind Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. And if he does, maybe he creates a, bri- a brand beyond the back of the 28-year-old backup. Maybe he creates a little marketplace for himself. Right. Because I could easily see a year down the road. Logan Thompson dominates the American Hockey League again. Laurent Passois has a nice year for the Golden Knights. He's got some trade value. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. You'd move him out, bring up LT, 
off you go. Everybody's well, happy. Like that's a that's kind of a unicorn scenario to me with this. Absolutely. And especially with, you know, there's always going to be shitty teams in the NHL and there's always going to be creases and, and minutes to be played on those squads. Like Craig Anderson at some point is going to have to retire. And so I, I agree with that with that Brassois angle of him kind of rebranding his his image in the league to I can carry more water than I've given than than what I've been given. And, yeah, and, and somebody like, like Buffalo taking a flyer on him, or, or maybe it's like it's the Rangers or the, or the Capitals because they haven't figured out something quite yet either, at least a solidified option. Well, and here's the, here's the easy thing. And just to say this as cleanly and as bluntly as it can be, there isn't a goalie on earth that wanted to go to the Buffalo Sabres. What do you mean, Mike? Come on, if they called you, Reyes, Michael. Let me uh, let me put something in front of you, uh, like those rebounds that you cover up so quickly. I mean, never mind. You don't even give up the rebounds because you have so efficiently smothered the there, puck. There wasn't a goalie that was considering being a number one in the NHL that ever wanted to play in Buffalo this year. They want to pay me seven hundred fifty k, Mike. I'll do it. I got student loans, my dude. You got Craig Anderson is probably ready to ride off in the sunset a year ago. Yeah, he gets another deal. <laughs> And I'll tell you why I love this. I just this, want to leave. I think this is just so awesome for, for Craig. Yeah. Because he's, listen, he's eight games away from 300 wins in the National Hockey League. Hell yeah. A, Good for him. And that's a milestone. Like, Hell yeah, things it is. You're shooting for, he's going to retire out of the game past the age of 40. He's yep. not going to have to worry about, frankly, working. Right. He can go yeah. race his race cars, put another bit, bit of money in the bank, and go enjoy his kids, coach baseball. He's what he's been doing. He's been coaching baseball right. the last couple of months. Well, and if there's anybody that knows how to play on a, on a shitty hockey team, it's him because he did it with the it's Senators him. for so long, and he can't, he yep. played so many games. And so that's why he's, he has to be a warrior. He's seen a lot. We'll put it that way. Yeah. He's seen a lot. Exactly. But I, just, I, I just I love it. I think it's great for him. It's good culture fit for that locker room. I'm always happy to see goaltenders get a chance. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy to see Aaron Dell get another chance. You know, and yes. It's, last season just threw everything in a blender um, Dell never really got a shot in San Jose because he wasn't the big ticket guy. They kept trying to trot Jones out and think he'd improve. And even with Dell would outplay Jones, mm-hmm. eventually he'd end up back on the bench. And then he kind of got cast aside last year. And with COVID and teams never really got rolling between mm-hmm. being in Toronto and Jersey. And so it'll be a nice reboot for him as well. Um, not sure it's with the greatest team, but you know, even Brian Elliott gets another deal. He goes to Tampa. Maybe he finishes good for him. Maybe he finishes his career with a Stanley Cup like Curtis McElhaney won two straight. And, you know, mm-hmm. all, see, all signs seem to point to Curtis McElhaney retiring. I don't know if that's going to, but yeah. imagine finishing with two Stanley Cups. Imagine being Carter Hutton and having two miserable years in Buffalo and even getting a lifeline for another season. Despite it being Arizona, right. you're still in the NHL. You're still in the NHL. And you just never know. Maybe he goes and has a good year. Maybe he extends his career even further. Right. I always like those type of signings. Well, shockingly, hockey mirrors life, and life mirrors hockey. And as you say about of of the the some goalies getting lost in the shuffle in terms of the pandemic, it's very much the squeezing of the middle class. And another guy that was yep. kind of lost in that shuffle is David Riddick. And and speaking of big time opportunities, because I've really loved David Riddick's game because he always seemed to play the Golden Knights when they when they visited down here. And I, I think he had a, he he and Arundel would always be very instigatory towards a lot of our our forechecking forwards and try to at least offer some tooth to not be crashed on all the time. But Nashville's finally going through the rebuild. And yep. he's, I forget where he was. Was he up in Toronto? He was traded at Toronto. It was, he was traded the same day that Calgary was playing Toronto, right? So he just switched locker rooms. 
and yes, and did. I've been there before. Yeah, and, oh, God. <laughs> and and but now he has that chance in Nashville. He signs a one year deal, one point two five. Do you think they give him uh, how many how many games do you do you give him because they have Soros and you mentioned earlier he's he was sniffing an Invesna consideration and so maybe it's not as advantageous as as I originally thought. Well, I don't think Riddich is going to displace Soros. I think that's what it comes exactly. Down to. But I think that. You know, for David Riddich, man, this is a crucial year for him because mm-hmm. he's not very far removed from playing big minutes with Calgary. He was an all-star mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Yeah, lit um, up, but everybody else does, though, too. So Yeah, oh, God, I've been at all-star <laughs> games. They're not fun. The for worst. Them. 3v3. They're Great. Awesome. So for, for Riddick, though, to me, like especially watching him come up through the ranks in the American League before he got to the NHL, he's really got nice footwork. He's pretty crisp in his crease. I think for him, it's just the mental part of the game that's mm-hmm. been really troublesome. Floodgate goalie, right? I, yeah, I'm always worried about goaltenders that have all these routines and superstitions, and mm-hmm. Riddick is one. Carter Hart's another. The mental strain they put on themselves to think that they – the things that they think they need to do to play their best, none of them matter. None of them make any difference. Uh, but like David Riddick got famous in goalie circles because he needed his goalie coach to shoot two pucks off his forehead at the end of the morning skate. And that was a warning sign to me right away. And then watching how he performed, it was no surprise to me that when he lost his confidence, everything went out the window because the goalies and the people in life with all these routines, superstitions, when things go bad, it tends to go right down the drain. It's, it gets worse because then they try, they start trying to find new routines or different routines or different superstitions. Right. But all they need to do is get on the ice, smile, and play the game. And I think mentally you could see that with Riddick. I, I think his ceiling is probably higher than what we've seen at the NHL, but he's going to have to work at it. He's going to have to really work with Ben Vanderklok in, in Nashville, their goalie coach, and mm. kind of – just dial down, simplify, make the game easy, and try to have some fun. I had to go see a sports psychologist for that because I was very much that goalie in high school where I got too inflated in that part of my game. And so there, there's a separation there. And it's if it's more work for some people than others, but it's very necessary, especially for, for a guy like him that hasn't really um, shown his best yet. And and so a yep. huge, huge chance for him. Um the Kings take a huge chance on signing Philip Deneau, mm-hmm. but I really like what they've been doing in the last couple seasons. I think they're right there. I mean, it's a soft division in the Pacific. It's us, probably Seattle, right? But like the Kings, I think, are ready. Do you think they're ready? Because I think they're ready. I think they're still a year or two away from really contending because watching their prospects play – at NHL games, watching them play American Hockey League games against the Henderson Silver Knights, Quentin Byfields of the world, and, and some others, they're still a little ways away. They need a little bit more development, but they have some really, really nice skills and pieces down, down there. Mm. And I think that like the Dano deal, in some ways it's probably a little bit surprising because they have centermen coming along, but they're not ready. And that's the hardest part, you know. Like, well, and they were look, they were sniffing around Eichel too, Mike. So that this yeah. is where I think this is a, a great thing for them, and why I'm glad the Minnesota Wild backed out of those talks with Eichel, and why and why that that market around Eichel in general has kind of gotten quiet because what what position does he play? Center. And so at least right. you're not trading for that contract and that that question mark that that Jack Eichel is at this point. Yeah, and I think the Ben O deal to me is. 
he's a player that probably right now at the Kings is going to play second line. You know, mm-hmm. he's not going to be Kopitar, probably play second line. Yep. But if one of these young prospects comes along and really starts to fulfill who they are and what they expect, you can move Dano down to the third line. Centerman can still make that much money on the third line. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Centerman is one position that spending on is never a bad deal. And we so. need to stop looking at lines as a hierarchy. We're like, this is like a first line guy, this is a second line. Like Correct. The best teams are piecing guys together based off of what what type of line they are. What is their intended effect? Not who's the best player and, and, and then going down the line. Correct. And so, you know, to your point about Eichel, I think his health scares people. Good, you know, it should. Like it's a scary deal, thing. Neck surgery, neck surgery, disc replacement. Like, I think it scares people. Uh, if uh, you're going to commit a huge piece of your salary cap and your future to a player that there's question marks to, as shiny as that object is, yep. boy, it makes you really give pause. But, but Mike, and yesterday... Willing, and you're willing to do it if you give up. Like, if... Like, let's just throw it out there like the Golden Knights. Like, if, if Yes, exactly, because the, the value is being driven down at this point. And if there's anything yeah. this team loves is a bargain deal on a big name. And that's why I, I'm worried that they might start sniffing around him again because the ask has to naturally lower because there's fewer teams that are willing to trade for him at this point. Yes, I'm still – I'd be very surprised now that they traded for Dadanov and they gave Yanmark a deal. And I, I, I think they're – I don't think they're in anymore. That's my gut feeling. But really, my point is, though, I mean, just imagine that I'm, and I'm going to reference this because we're Vegas, though. But like if the asking price is a first rounder and Nick Hague, you'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, a team would, yep. regardless of health. But if you start talking, if they ask is a first rounder, Peyton Krebs, Nick Hague, and maybe even a Riley Smith. Too much. I don't see how you do that. You can't. You can't. No, like you just can't. And that's where the, I think the market's going to be real interesting is if the market could completely dry up here for Buffalo. Right, you know, if you and then you're the stuck. That, right that, on this, yep. Yeah, if you if you don't get the timing right on this, it's tough. And so, I'm not really sure where Eichel's going to go. It's hard for me to, me to make that prediction on it. Um, I'm na- naturally I'm very conservative when it comes to injuries, though. They always freak me out. I, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that teams are finally starting to pay attention to. Uh, when they evaluate players, especially on these longer contracts. Right. Or might, maybe it's just we, we excuse certain things away because the, the allure of certain players' skill sets are, are just too large. Because that's that's what the truth is, is that if, if you have a certain level of talent, you get a, a, a longer cane before you're yanked out of the crease. Right, Mike? If, if, that's right. If, if you bring something that is, is singular, that, that could take a team to the next level – they can excuse questionable things that have happened in your past. And that's basically what the Carolina Hurricanes decided to do yesterday <laughs> with signing Tony D'Angelo and second chances, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, at some point, we have to learn from our mistakes and stop extending these to him. But do you, what it, in Waddle's mind, how is he, what is it about his skill set that makes the headache, the, counterintuitive branding messaging that they're doing based off of all the work they've done in the last couple of years in that market? Like, is he worth that shot in your mind? Because it clearly is in Waddles. They lost Dougie Hamilton and they needed points on the back end. And they have Rod Brindamore as a coach, too. Mind. So there's They that. brought in the best player they could that was a defenseman, and they got him on a cheap deal. I, the, lips, the, the lip service paid to it, the messaging, that everything that goes along to it, none of it matters. They're trying to win. They can try to spin this as second chances. You can try to spin this as a rehab tour. 
he can say all the right things that he's learned his lesson and blah, 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 and none of it matters. They're trying to win. And that's really what it comes down to for fans is, are you, like, can you accept that teams are just trying to win and you can be a fan and go along with it? I, I, that's a real question. You know, like I'll tell you right now, I don't, I don't buy, I've never had a Chick-fil-A sandwich in my life because I don't agree with some of the things that they were funding. Agreed. I don't straight up. And I, I don't know if you can take that level of consumerism to sports. I'm not sure how many people turn in tickets because of this. Right. I think That's people true. a lot of times will be, they'll act angry about it. They'll act outraged. But when, when push comes to shove, they still want to go to a hockey game. They still want to see a team play. And I think it's important here that they get it right now with the messaging, that they get it right with what D'Angelo's doing and put him in front of the camera as often as they possibly can. Mm. Let him guide his way out. Let him have the platform to do it. Don't hide that player. The worst thing in these rehab tours that can be done is to hide somebody. Um, if I'm the GM, I don't make that call. I don't do it. That's just me. I wouldn't want that on my team, and I don't know him as a person. I know I've seen players vouch for him, but I just know it comes with headaches, and that's what I wouldn't be willing to deal with. But when you got Rod the Bod running the ship. Right. If there's anybody that can straighten this kid out, it's Rod the Bod, right? Yeah, and and you know what? It's not through tough love and bullying. It's through him being a human being and sitting down with somebody and getting maybe he's the never word been coached by person. somebody like that. You're right, May, honestly. So, given the culture that that hockey is, you're absolutely that's right. right. So, Lindsay, I'm. I think there's a fine line in life when mm-hmm. it comes to cancel culture. I think there's people that, yeah, you probably should never see them again if they do something egregious enough. Mm-hmm. And with Tony D'Angelo, he, yeah, has he said some dumb things? Uh huh. Has he? had altercations with a teammate. Uh-huh. But I can at least look at the altercation with the teammate as kind of a, a passion play in the heat of the moment. You've been in locker rooms. You know how heated it is. Oh, there's nothing happen. nothing coaches love more than than a guy with a bunch of penalty minutes with a scoring touch. You know, well, he's breaking the rules. You're being penalized. We love those disruptors. Yeah. So That's what hockey you know, is. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't assign D'Angelo myself. That's just the yep. way I think I would operate teams – but I do think that he did deserve a chance. I don't think he should have been canceled for the rest of his life. Agreed. I think it's up, to, and I think it's up to him now to prove it, to do the right things, to show people that he is a different person off the ice. I don't care what he does on the ice. I know the Hurricanes do, but I care more about him as a person and that growth that's going to happen. Yeah, he's got to he's got to walk the walk. And at the end of the day, the only person that can save you is yourself. So it, it's that's right. it's um, there's just a lot of changing parts. It, but that's. Not the the Canes problem. That's everybody else's problem too. I mean, they have two new goalies in there. Crease. Who do you think made uh, out better the 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 Toronto goalies that are now Hurricanes goalies or the Hurricanes goalies that are now Toronto goalies? <laughs> they might as well just made a trade in season. I like Carolina way better. I, I think yeah. Freddie Anderson's still a top. I think Freddie's a top fifteen goalie guaranteed. Maybe top ten when he's really on his game. I think they just finally got to him in Toronto. Those first four years. Mm-hmm. I thought he was really good, and I didn't think the team was good enough in playoffs. It wasn't on him. Yeah, he, he held score. them in for for a couple years where he was their best player. Hundred percent. And I think last year, especially because he did have injuries and mm. the weight of the world of Toronto being on, I think it was just enough. I think he's ready for a reboot. Carolina is a great fit. They play well defensively. 
Freddie Anderson loves to play a lot of games. Uh, having Antti Ranta there is going to help because Ranta can play if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe they let N- Nijelkovic go. No, I totally agree. I would have like, never let him go That's your goaltender of the future. Another... Speaking of a snarl and, and, and an ultra-competitive ultra fire, that's what that guy brings. Yeah, and th- but this is another one of those scenarios, and especially with my athletic piece yesterday that I wrote, was more or less, Ned's out the window, that's done. You have mm-hmm. to think about it from yes, where they are. Yes, this is true. And, and so I would have never let Nadelkovic go. I'm a huge believer in homegrown talent. I mm-hmm. think Stevie Y stole the show there with that 100%. move, and at the very worst. At the very worst, if, if Nedeljkovic doesn't work out in Detroit, they're still rebuilding. And they drafted you know? the Casa character. They took the first yes. goalie off the board. Yes. So smart plays by Steve Eiserman. I really like Freddie Anderson going to Carolina. I, I'm skeptical on Ranta just because maybe less minutes will lead to him not being hurt because there's nothing in the pipeline when it comes to Carolina right now. No. Toronto, I think that's going to be a mess. I, just I agree. See I like Morazic, where... but the way that they play and the way that he plays the puck – it's just there's too much up in the air where you can go off script and that can derail confidence super quickly. It's not like they're having any help in that department to start. Peter Mrazek isn't consistent. No. He hasn't been consistent for long stretches. He's fun to he watch, but he's not consistent. Sure. <laughs> yeah, And it's because he plays so aggressively with his depth. He attacks pucks. Yep. He doesn't stay square to it late, you know, deeper in the crease. Like He's always had a chip on his shoulder in a lot of ways and tried to prove people wrong. And at times he's been very combative, very combative mm-hmm. with organizations and goalie coaches. But beyond that, where has Peter Mrazek played that the team he's been on hasn't been sniffing around for an upgrade in goal come playoff time. Yeah. Every single team. Yeah, you're right. And 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 Jack can and to me it's it's up to Jack Campbell. Yes, like 100%. This is his this chance. Mm-hmm. Cuz if he and I'm boy, I hope he does. I'm rooting for him. But that market just chews people up and yeah. I don't think and he set the bar so the high in the regular season last year where he was like, what, 15-0 and 0 or something? It, there was just, I knew, yeah. I know there was a donut on one side and an, a double-digit win total on the other. And granted, playoffs, put that aside for the Toronto Maple Leafs, said no one ever, but that's a lot to live up to. It's a lot. I, yeah. I would put their goaltending most optimistically bottom half of the league, realistically, maybe disaster. in the bottom third right now. What a disaster. I, oh. I don't think... And and I th- I know there's people that may disagree with that, but the level of goaltending across the league, most teams at least have somebody who you can look at and go, yeah, that guy's a number one. You know, there's just question marks in Toronto, period. And you can't tell me that competition between goalies is a good thing in Toronto. That's a bad thing in Toronto. Right. Competition yes. just leads to nonstop skepticism and second guessing, and the fans going bananas, and the media riffing on it and creating divisions. And yes, I don't see that being a good fit. I know Toronto's got cap constraints, and they had to put them in other directions, but they need a goalie, and they haven't developed one in a while, and that's a problem. They need Joseph Wall to take a massive step this year and right. start to prove that he's the guy that can jump from the American League to the NHL because they're going to need him sooner than later. Well, and just to loop back to our earlier conversation, we had the squeezing of the middle class, so development has been stunted for a lot of these guys that would step into those roles or be expected to just based off of their developmental timeline. And then you have the tandem mindset with some teams where they've, they're have they hoarding goalies. We're, we're talking about Dallas. It was the crack in there for a second. Um, but, but, but a name that I'm interested to get your take on, because Linus Allmark has seen a lot of rubber in the last few seasons, right? Being the starting goalie for the Buffalo Sabres, he now signs with the Boston Bruins four years, $5 million average annual value. They haven't re-signed Tuca yet, and I like 
almost everyone else are, are just assuming that that's going to happen. Do you think that that assumption is safe? And do you think Allmark is a good fit for that team and where they're looking to go, which is a Stanley Cup or bust with the, some of the names on that roster? Great fit. He was the diamond in the rough of this. I'm surprised Toronto didn't go after Allmark because to me his ceiling is a number one in the NHL. And I think there's still growth there. Um, again, injury questions. It feels like that's everybody in the league, though, at this point. So you've mm. got to kind of run with it at some point. He gives a buffer if and when Tuka Rask comes back. He gives a buffer to Jeremy Swayman, who he went in and did an amazing job, but such a limited sample size. He's right out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, he was great in the American League, but you just don't know what you have long term. This is a great deal for Allmark. I was surprised five years at that cap number. I was thinking that he was going to get three or four years at three mil from somebody. Well, there's that so, inflation we were talking about again. Let's remember yeah. in the timeline, that was right after Grubauer signed. And so he was the only guy that was free and clear before Kemper. Otherwise, your yeah. option's Devin Dubnik's the next one up. So you can drive that right. price. So I like this deal, especially yeah. for Olmark. He's going to be on a bigger stage. He's going to have a team that can play in front of him. He performed in Buffalo in front of a god-awful defense. And I don't know, I don't know how he did it. Uh, and he and he still managed to fly under the radar just because he wasn't winning. Games he had highlight that. reel saves just out of desperation because you have so many yeah. desperation saves. Nobody's covering the back door because they don't know what it is. It's just so hard to perform in that setting, and he did. You know, usually yeah. it mentally wears down on somebody, and it never really did for Allmark. Now, I mean, he did get some breaks when he got hurt, which probably helped his psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I can't think of a more excited goaltender right now than him going to Boston, where. Right. I mean, it's a pressure cooker. It's not necessarily easy to play there, but man, like that team's good. And, and still trying to figure there. out their own defending situation, but not nearly what we were talking about in Buffalo's yeah. level. It's it's such a crazy upgrade. You're like, yes, I will take Mike Riley. Absolutely, I will do that. Um, one one goalie that I think that that hasn't been any conversations because why would he? That I think might be on the move in the next couple of years. Sergey Bobrovsky. Your thoughts? Because Spencer Knight looks pretty damn good. And he has a price that's very uh, clear. And he has the name and Vesna's and all those other things. Do you think there's a team out there that might be thinking the same thing I am? The, the expendability, especially with all that young talent they've acquired and re-signed? I don't know what's going to happen with Bobrovsky. That $10 million contract stares you right in the face. Ten million might look different you, four or five years from now, though, Mike. I don't know. Not for a goalie. I mean, when you look at that, and then you think that Spencer Knight's going to be in the four to five million range before you know it. I mean, that's going to be in two or three years. You exactly. I. The problem with Bobrovsky's contract is: can you get three more years out of it than buy it out at that dollar figure? That's still a lot of money and a lot of cap down the road. Yeah. So it's a definite handcuff contract. I think it comes down to Bobrovsky. If he plays well and recaptures any type of momentum that he's previously had, then maybe you can look at that. Thing is, I expect Knight to steal that crease and run with it. Right, so, and so you're paying this guy $10 million to, to sit on the bench, and that's what's what's crazy about it because it, how quickly that changed. But I, that's why I wonder why Florida signed him to that deal. Maybe they just didn't think Knight was going to come up as quickly as he did. So it was no, the same he was the best season. goaltender available that year. They mm-hmm. had goaltending questions, and the owner opened up the pocketbook and said, okay, we're going to get Joel Quenville and the best goalie on the market because those have been our two question marks, coaching and goaltending. That's as simple as that. Well, and this is right after they let Gallant walk, right? So things were a little bit hazy and daisy down there? Uh, two years later. I was there when Gallant got, uh, got unceremoniously 
sent off in a taxi. Gotcha. Uh, I was in the Panthers organization for that. I, I was actually in in the Panthers organization and the Vegas organization when Gallant was Michael both times. Oh my goodness! Um, the black I know. spot. Um, but in any case, I think it's it's a great question with Bobrovsky. I think it's just going to come down to how he plays. Can he yeah. create a market for himself to, to get out of there? Because Knight's going to take that crease over. Mm-hmm. I mean, does Bobrovsky eventually just get frustrated and go back to Russia? That, that's a there's real that too. too. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. And I think that's a that's a much bigger threat than it was even five, six years ago, Mike. And and that's something that the Minnesota Wild are kind of dealing with as they're looking to sign their Calder winner, uh, Kirill Kaprizov. He can't sign anywhere else. He can't talk to anywhere else, at least in the NHL. But he can go back to the KHL, which he has already been an all-star for multiple times. He's won a gold medal. He scored the, the game-winning goal for them for for. for the Russian athlete or the Russian athlete committee or whatever we're calling them, not team Russia. Cause they got in trouble. Um, do you, do you agree that that's the KHL seems like maybe a, a cozier option that, than it normally would be? Cause usually it's well, it's, just, it's a Stanley cup. We have to go win that trophy, but many millions and we're all reevaluating our, our priorities these days. Uh, how many have actually gone? How many have really left and how many times have we seen posturing? Yeah. You know, it, there haven't been many that have left. I think that's what it comes down to. But it is a real bargaining tool. Mm-hmm. The money that they can hand out is real. The allure of being at home is real. But I do think that they use it to the best of their ability to try to, try to drive the price up. We've seen it with Kovalchuk. We've sure. seen it with Panarin. We've seen it with just everybody, it seems like. Um, I think it's a bigger threat for bubble goaltenders that if you're Russian and you don't get an opportunity here in the United States or in North America, at least in the yeah. NHL by your, by the middle of your first year pro or second year pro, they'll just go home. Yeah. I you need playing time. Why am I here? Yeah. Yep. So I do think there's a decent chance Kaprizov stays there. I don't think he's going to. I don't think I, so either, I just, but I think it's a better shot with him than anybody else that we've seen. I just find it annoying. Because I think everybody's looking at this going, is he really going to jump? And part of me wishes that just for, I don't know, just for the visual of it, just for the entertainment aspect, I want to see Bill Garrett push him right to the limit and dare him to. And I, and I want to I, I I'm prepared like to, to sign him Kaprizov to a lifetime walk. deal, too. <laughs> yeah, but I would almost like to see Kaprizov walk just to see Garrett go, whatever, man, you don't want to be yeah. part of this? We don't want you here anyway. Like, I'd like to see him set oh, that line Mike. in the sand <sighs> and not capitulate to the player. That's kind of way I look at it at times, but the problem is that kid's a sick player and they need him. So correct, <laughs> he he makes that entire team, and you gotta you I, you don't really understand the level of abandonment attachment theory that is felt by Minnesota fan bases, like whether it's the Wild or or the other sports, because they just don't show grow on the trees up there. We don't we usually don't produce that. They haven't seen anybody like this since Marion Gabrick and. And and I think he even it even supersedes that. And so that's why I think the leverage of the KHL and he knows how starved the, the Minnesota fan base is for something, someone like his skill set. Um, but straight up, I, I agree. It's it's a Stanley Cup, it's the NHL, it's the greatest league in the world. Home is great, but that's what the uh winter and summer breaks are for. That's it. Yeah. And there's gonna be a big one this year with the Olympic break and the All Star break. I'm Three so weeks. excited. I'm thank goodness they decided to get out of their own way on that one. Yep. Well, I hope it happens, and I hope I get a chance to come to Vegas for All-Star Game. That's what I'm shooting for. 
I have no idea what's going to come next for me. <laughs> and that's, if I can end up there for All-Star, man, that'd be really cool. Well, you always have a place here on the nightcap, and you definitely have a place with my air mattress that have has holes in it, but we'll put <laughs> hockey tape on it in case you do want to come visit. Because I haven't gone hiking since we went last, and I just don't know if I can do it again. I just don't know. I miss you. I miss oh, our oh. friendship. I'll pack a tennis racket. You can run me all over the court again. Hell to the yeah. Um, As you mentioned uh, earlier, you have that athletic article. Where else can we find all of your insightful uh, tweets? What's your Twitter handle? (laughs) As always, at Mike McKenna 56 on Twitter, on the Instas. Uh, You can still look at my archived podcasts that I haven't been doing many of, but they're all out there, all 50-something of them, Six Degrees with Mike McKenna. Some good listens with ex-goaltenders, ex-players, bus drivers, all kinds of people in the hockey game. Do you feel like we got to everything? I, f- I feel like we went. it was pretty exhaustive. I mean, I know we didn't talk about a lot of things, but I feel like we talked about what matters. We got as much as we could in. This is true. I guess we always <laughs> yeah. just could do it again. That's always an option, too. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate you taking your time out of t- today and uh, miss you. Yeah. All right, bye, friend. Go have a good day. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.